0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back uh, to another episode. I am here with uh, Scott Bird. He's serving as a co-host today. Scott, good to see you.
1: Good to see you, John.
0: Yeah, so last week we started our Essentials of Youth Ministry um, segment, and Chris Holland answered the question of essentials of a youth room. And I just always want to say this at the beginning. We're asking people what essentials of a youth room are, and we're not um, saying the Bible. So everybody knows We all think the Bible is an essential of any youth room. Uh, We're for that, we're for the Bible, Um, but we're asking for just kind of other essentials of a youth room. Um, So Scott, I don't know how much time you've been able to give to this, thinking about this, but when I ask you that question, what do you think is an essential of a youth room?
2: Is it bad that Bible did not come to mind at all? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. That's, that's really bad. All right. That's um, <laughs> no, okay.
0: I mean, when you think of the room, you think yeah. of all kinds of stuff in okay. their furniture, everything. So yeah, the, the Bible's you yeah. Know, in its own category. We have some Bibles.
2: Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I think I've, I've kind of thought about this a lot because we just built a new building a couple of years ago. And so I, I got to have a lot of input and in, uh, what our youth space looked like and stuff like that, you know, with... Limitations of budget and all all that kind of stuff, but um, so one of the things I really wanted for our youth room was it to feel at home. Like I wanted, I wanted our students to feel just comfortable and relaxed. And uh, so I was trying to think what what does a good home have in it? And um, you know, comfortable furniture where you can kind of lounge around. Uh, So we have uh, some couches, and kind of the way our furniture is laid out is there's, there's almost different sections where people can kind of sit and have conversations. Mm -hmm. And so it's not everybody in the room facing each other, but, you know, groups of friends can, can sit and talk with each other. And then another group of friends can sit somewhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'd say that's one essential is, is to making it somewhere that's like home. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted it to be somewhere where students want to be. And I think that's part of it is to make it just comfortable. Um, yeah. So,
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say that. I mean, that's important. I, I mean, it is, you know, it's a place. And let me also say too, I, just as I didn't know with Chris, I didn't know with Scott what, what he was going to say to this question. I'm intrigued by how um, people are going to answer it. But, you know, we, we always, and again, letting our listeners know, so Scott and I did work together for a little while. And so when, when Scott, you and I were on staff together, I mean, wanting a place that's a refuge for students, like you said, wanting to have a place where they want to be, where um, it is comfortable, they can kind of walk in. And like you said, I think it's important to have those different sections, you know, that it is, you know, sometimes people don't give a whole lot of thought to how a room is set up, but it it matters a whole lot. I mean, from yeah. not only teaching discipleship, but then just kind of the the hanging out and, and fun. Um, so I think, yeah, room set up and, and um, having a welcoming environment like that's vitally important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that contributes to it being feeling like a home is just comfortable. You know, you had those friends growing up that you loved going over to their house because their house was kind of awesome. And, you know, you could just hang out and chill or their room was really cool or whatever. Um, that's kind of what I think of. And so um, another thing is, is snacks. That was another thing all my, my cool friends had there. They had the best <laughs> snacks. And so, so we're, you know, we're willing to invest, you know, but, three or $400 a year maybe into having just drinks stocked up here and chips and food and mm. make it a place where people want to stop by and hang out and, you know, where it's not awkward to have a one-on-one up here because they want to, they want to do it. Um, so I think snacks are, are huge. And we're, we try to get our students to come up and hang out after school on Wednesday night I mean, on Wednesdays, I guess, afternoons. And, uh, and I think that's part of it is they can just come up and grab a Coke and some chips and and hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say so that and then one more thing um is uh some kind of uh activity that's group oriented, you know, mm. like I did not want an Xbox, I did not want a PlayStation in our youth room, because that's something that easily one person can come in and and just start playing by themselves. So instead we got an old school Wii and we've got, you know, Mario Kart and uh Super go. Smash Bros and stuff like that. So and our students will love it, you know, no they they never play Wii at home like I had several people offer to give me one cause they never play them. <laughs> um, and so anyway, that's kind of a good community uh, bonding thing.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's funny to hear you say like, they didn't want the Wii. I can remember when those things were like sold out and everyone was trying to get one for, for, for Christmas. <laughs> um, but no, I think that that's, it's good. And, and again, you know, I think sometimes maybe in our circles we can, focus so much on theology that we don't think about some of these aspects of of ministry, like, I mean, just the room setup and, you know, having activities for students. And, um, you know, if that was an end in, in and of itself, that would be a mistake. But we're seeing that mm-hmm. as hopefully being able to, um, I mean, in this circumstance, I mean, maybe this is a place where the youth will be more um, inclined to invite friends to come along and to be like, hey, look, yeah. it's a place we can hang out, we can get a snack, and we can, you know, play a game. And, um, Obviously, you're you're using that to to sneak the gospel in and to communicate <laughs> that with them. Um, yeah, but no, I think that's that's good, Scott. And I know we're needing to, to wrap this up because we have Chris Martin uh, joining us again. Those who tuned in last week know that Chris Martin is at Terms of Service dot social. You can check out his Substack there, and he's got a forthcoming book talking about um, uh, social media. And so he'll be with us again uh, today. So here's our conversation with Chris right now. Look, as we wrapped up last week, uh, we were talking about algorithms and, and I like how you state that the main purpose of your book, I feel like it ties into the discussion we were having is uh, you said that the main purpose is uh, to help you recognize that social media is changing the way you think, feel, and live. And so I thought that would be a good uh, place to pick up today and kind of continue this discussion. Uh, Kurt, I know you were wanting to ask something, Uh, maybe lead us into that. Go ahead.
3: No, I wasn't going to do that. I was actually going to take us right off the rails at the beginning um, to give (laughs) Chris a break. Uh, But I was just going to ask him what, what is the best thing and the worst thing about having the exact same name as the lead singer of
4: Coldplay? I'm just, anyway. (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Um, Uh, okay. I, and I think I have an answer. Um, the best thing. So I think the best thing is that it actually introduced me to Coldplay when I was in middle school. So I didn't really know what Coldplay or who Coldplay was when I was in middle school. And this is, and this will get to my downside here in a second, but this is back before they apparently became the second Nickelback because everybody like hates them now. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, this is back like when they were actually like well-respected and liked. And I remember a kid who was like a year older than me, um who i thought was kind of a cool guy he was like hey you, your name's chris martin you're the lead singer of coldplay i'm like what are you talking about he's like that's the same name as lead singer of coldplay i'm like oh so like itunes i think was super new at the time and so i like went home and looked up coldplay on itunes and listened to like the 30 second previews of their songs and i was like oh i've heard a couple of these and like i kind of became a coldplay fan because of that so that's like maybe the the best thing and actually one time short story the the night before i graduated high school uh i went I had VIP box seats to the Coldplay Viva La Vida tour in Indianapolis. And it was, it was amazing. And so like, I got to like high five, like Chris Martin, high five Chris Martin because he went running through the crowd right by me. (laughs) So it was pretty cool. Um, I I always say people have never seen us both in the same place at the same time, but I suppose those people have. Um, So, uh, okay. The the negative as I kind of hinted at is that somehow everybody hates them now. Like everybody hates Coldplay now. Like everybody makes fun of them. I saw the other day that, Chris Martin announced that they're going to be done making music in 2025 and people were like, well, why not now? And I'm like, what? I mean, they, they, they have like their newest album is the best album since Viva, which is like a long time ago. And I understand they've had a few rough albums, but like, Hey, they're not like, you know, it's not terrible. I don't know. They, they just have really, uh, their stock has gone down big time. And so now it's like, I'm kind of like ashamed to have the same name. It's <laughs> like, it's like, uh, it's like, man, I feel like, yeah, I don't know.
0: They, they just I, got really popular and people love to see popular people fall. And so, well,
4: that, I think you're right. That's that true. Hard. But also
3: after Viva La Vida, also, I was, I went to a, a show at that, on that tour with my wife in 2009. It was awesome. Um, yeah. But they kind of fell off a little bit too. It, some it's of true. it was earned some of it i totally mean right. i think it, any mature person would say some of it was what john's saying and some of it is earned okay so now yeah, i hey, think i agree what
4: i agree 100 let me be on the record uh i agree 100 <laughs> they viva was great everything since then was bad except music of the spheres i think the new album is pretty good well john i've hey,
3: derailed us now
0: try to i was bring gonna say back. yeah i mean uh the new book terms of service in the back there's an entire section discussing cold play so people can, can pick that up um but uh, i should have done that yeah man uh missed opportunity there uh so bringing us back uh as kurt typically does uh, derail us uh, you say that the main purpose of the book you say the goal is to help you recognize that social media is changing the way you think feel and live and obviously this ties into algorithms that, that we know about but i'd love for you just to kind of elaborate that on that a little bit i mean i know you spend the entire book elaborating upon that but maybe talk a little bit about this main purpose of the book
4: yeah i just think that we we latch on to technological innovation and changes without a critical enough eye and mind a lot and i i myself am included in this i'm an early adopter in almost every sense of the word like if i hear about some new app whether it's social media or not like just something that's new that's like really blowing up and that everybody's like oh man this thing's on the rise it's like you know i was i was on tiktok like in 2018 like way before it was really popular um i'm not trying to like sound cool there i'm just saying like i've historically i've historically been an early adopter because i'm interested in like what the the bleeding edge of these platforms are doing even if they end up fizzling out and never going anywhere it's i'm always interested in what the what the newest thing is and so i'm not i'm not exempt from the criticism i'm i'm leveraging here Mm -hmm. um but i think a lot of times we sign up for these platforms and we they, the platform, social media, I, I use the term social internet throughout the book, which is like an attempt by me to get us to think beyond the major three or four apps that come into our heads. Like, cause Google is the social internet. Yelp is the social internet. Anytime you, yeah. Like anytime you Google something, like how do I, like what temperature do I bake chicken to in the oven or whatever? uh, You're getting a response created by a human, at least for now. And so so the our entire internet experience right now is social. So I really try to, in the book, get people to think about everything they do on the internet being being social, not just the major three or four apps. But I think we sign up for these apps and use them and give them all kinds of information, attention, rule in our lives without asking hard questions of them um, and asking, how is this changing me and how I view the world? And I think we, we're just not critical enough. And I think we should stop sometimes the whole attempt of the book like the whole goal is not to get people to delete their accounts to shut down i think that could be appropriate for some people um but in reality like you could delete every social media account you have right now and you're not going to escape social media Mm -hmm. Uh, people will still say hey did you see this on facebook or check out this viral meme or, or whatever um so i don't think shutting down all your accounts and logging off is the answer but i do think that setting down your phone or whatever you used to use the internet and kind of backing off and saying like, what do I hope Facebook accomplishes in my life? If, if Twitter is like, what's the point of Twitter? Like, what am I hoping that it does for me? What's the goal here? My, the whole point of terms of service, my book is to help us use in social media and the internet more broadly intentionally, like with a goal in mind, like with a purpose and not just in a sort of reactionary way. I mean, there's so many with everything because of our sin nature, because we're inherently sinful. And that's why I think Christians specifically have, have are best equipped to deal with this because we don't have the sort of um, unfettered optimism that so many people who created these platforms have about the nature of humanity. Like we understand that if we use these apps without intentionally pursuing Christ-likeness as we use them, it will end poorly for us. Like we we should understand that. But again, I think we just adopt them so quickly that we don't think about that. Like we think that it's somehow that that what we do on these platforms isn't real life or that, that it's exempt from our sin or that that it's not um, yeah, that it's this just, just this entire like virtual fake existence. And I could talk about, I've heard so many stories of pastors who who have Struggle with church members who see what they do online and outside the purview of the pastor. So mm-hmm. the church member may do something foolish on the internet, get called out by their pastor, and be like, "That that's not your business." And the pastor's like, "What do you mean it's not my business?" But like that's like that's how we view it. And so the whole point of the book, really, to get to your question is, I want us to just stop and think for a minute. We've just adopted so much of this with reckless abandon that I want us to just stop and ask questions. How is this stuff shaping me? How am I being discipled by my Facebook feed? And is it good or bad? The answer may be fine. Like we may have healthy relationships and that's great, but I still think we should do some diagnostic of asking the questions.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree. And again, kind of going back to the, the concern Kurt was raising, you know, it's so easy to, to bash social media, and, and that's what I like about you and your book. I mean, you, you utilize these tools. You you have, I mean, again, for your employment, you've utilized these tools, and you don't make a case of everyone to delete all of their social media accounts and just get off of it. No, you're saying, hey, look, you can still utilize these things. There are aspects that we can redeem, but the concern you're highlighting that I just think cannot be overstated is the thoughtlessness so many Christians are um utilize i mean when they utilize these social media platforms it's just again not reading the terms of service just completely diving in and then you know from in youth ministry world uh, perspectives uh students just picking these up and parents allowing students to have these platforms with with very little um uh, you know research but before they're they're handed over to them kurt jump in on here
3: one thing i was going to say about um it's so funny that you titled it terms of service because uh I think one of the things that we're dealing with uh culturally in, in the Christian world, in the visible church, if I can use that term, um, is that so many people are Christians in the same way that they're social media users. They haven't really read the scriptures or totally That's understand right. what's going on. They've just clicked agree after skimming. You know John three sixteen and Genesis one one and and then and so that's going on before social media existed, but it's kind of a great little picture of what it looks like because there are a lot of people who are in the church who we would say oh you know we don't need to evangelize them, but really they they they've just been clicking agree without really thinking about the cost of discipleship. To quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer,
4: yeah, that's exactly right. I I think so much of it is just a lack of intentionality, like. I, the way I think about it sometimes is and for good and for ill, this is how I live my life, is like I like to happen to my life rather than letting my life happen to me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I don't as much obviously there are circumstances outside my control, but I, I like to grab life by the horns and, and go. Like, let's go. I, I'm a very just kind of go-getter it for good, like I said, for good and for ill in so many aspects of my life. And I think when it comes to our faith or when it comes to our use of social media. We just kind of like let it happen to us. You know, we adopt the Christian faith because it's what we were raised in. And we never really think about if we believe the claims of Christ or if we adhere, like if we actually think that what he says is right is right and what he says is wrong is wrong. And we we just don't think critically. I, I really think so much of it is discipleship oriented, um, is just like thinking critically about not only our faith, but life all around us and becoming uh wise as serpents, why is the serpents while we maintain innocence as doves but I, I think the i think the whole goal is to just think harder whether it's regarding faith or or regarding our use of social media or anything else i, I think the i use i was getting into this illustration earlier when we were discussing and i didn't finish it but the, these platforms were given to us you know in the early 2000s as tools uh to be used um, to serve us. And and my fear is that we've really come to serve these platforms, which is the whole, another play of the terms of service is like, what are the terms of our service to these platforms? Like we've agreed to terms to serve these platforms in a lot of ways, more than these platforms have agreed to serve, to serve us. Like you, a lot of us, us ostensibly joined Facebook to connect with family or friends or old high school classmates from years ago. And now Facebook has just taken over our entire lives. Um, so are we really being served by Facebook or are we kind of serving Facebook now? And that I'm, I'm just picking on them because they're the biggest, but there are mm-hmm. any number of platforms that I think a lot of us have honestly come to serve more than they serve us. Hmm.
0: No, that's, that's very good. And I can remember the uh the social dilemma uh, documentary that's on Netflix uh, that everyone should check out. And I think one even kind of questioned labeling them tools uh, because a tool, he says like a hammer just sits there, right. Waiting to be used. It doesn't buzz and beep and ask for us to kind of come back, uh, to use it constantly. And, and I think um, maybe picking up with this, because I like how you said, this is really kind of a discipleship thing um, that we need to, to start thinking about as we're, we're talking about discipling our, our students, our own children to utilize these things. So look, we're having Chris come back next week uh, to finish up this conversation with us. And let's, let's pick up here. All right. Well, that was Chris Martin, and he will be back with us one more time uh, next week. Um, hopefully, uh, down the road as well, we'd love to have him back on. Uh, but now, um, we're going to get to our interview with Greg, uh, before I do that, I'm still here with, with Scott. Um, Scott, Greg is going to be coming on to talk about our track series he wrote. And this is, let's see, this is our third series in the track series of books. So we have nine total booklets. Um, and so his is on justification. Uh, just letting our listeners know, um, this series just came out. This recent series, um, you can get it at Amazon. If you want to order it in bulk, you can go to ChristianFocus.com and order that in bulk. Um, Scott, have you have you seen the track series at all? Have you um, kind of checked any of those booklets out?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I have most of them, I think. Um, and our, our uh, senior high girls have been through, I think, the sanctification one, our senior high boys went through the technology one. Um, you know, our students have really loved it. And, uh, John, as we were talking about before recording, there's just not much written for teenagers. And so it's pretty refreshing to have something that's written for teenagers and kind of aimed at them that you don't have to, you know, as a leader, you don't have to go through and kind of rewrite and, and, um, bring it to the teenage level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's something, I mean, we we're, we're hoping, I mean, There's a lot of things about these booklets that we hope resonate with students one is they're extremely short they're tiny if you see them i mean it's not intimidating at all but you know um scott we've had these conversations throughout student ministry and i've talked with other youth workers where you know we may have a good book on a topic but we have to as you just said kind of modify it modify the examples and maybe um change the verbiage uh, to, to make it, you know, resonate with students. And so these booklets are written specifically for teenagers in mind. Um, you know, it's something we try to walk that balance as well of, we do want to stretch our students. We don't want to water it down and just make it, you know, not deep. And so we do want to stretch them as well. Yeah. That's Um, what I was
2: going to say. The other end of that spectrum is, you know, stuff that is written for teenagers is just cheesy and watered down shallow, you know, um, so RYM does a good job of kind of balancing those two things. I'm sure Greg will too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm I'm glad Greg's a part of this um, series. And, uh, you know, hopefully too for our, our listeners out there, not only is this book written for students, but it's written by someone who's actively doing youth ministry in a church. And so the examples that he uses and, and all of that, I think, are, are fresh and will resonate with students well. Um, so without further ado, here is uh, Greg Meyer. Hey everybody, I'm with uh Greg Meyer and I, I should say Reverend Greg Meyer. Um <laughs> Greg, good, do you do you get that a lot from your students?
1: Not not really. Um they you know they knew me before I was Reverend and um you know sometimes more it's like sarcastic, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one yeah. one time I, I we had a service where I was wearing a robe and one of our students came up to me afterward and said, Hey Greg, nice dress. And so <laughs> uh that's that's kind of usually the way it goes.
0: Very nice, yeah um yeah greg you've been on the podcast before and and i think has it just been one time that you were on or have you been twice no you've been twice
1: i think twice i cannot remember what the first one was yeah. was it was that me and grayson the first I was time? say
0: you and grayson were on and then you and jeremy brett were on as well yeah, i think that's right and i couldn't remember if there was another time too um i'm losing track
1: it's it's hard to tell we, we've got so many kids in our lives it's uh it's hard to remember things <laughs> oh my
0: goodness yeah Um, So, Greg is the author of the new book, A A Student's Guide to Justification. Uh, Those who are familiar with RYM, who've been listening to the podcast, know that this is uh, another book in our track series. Um, RYM now has nine track booklets, and so this newest series um, has A Student's Guide to Gaming, which our listeners will hear from that author in the next couple of weeks, Reagan Rose. Uh, and then Greg Meyer is doing justification and then Dr. John Kwasney is doing a student's guide to depression. Um, and I just have to say it, it it's kind of funny. Um, the, the title, a student's guide to depression. It's not like, Hey, we're, we're teaching you how to be yeah. depressed. It's yeah, obviously... That's obviously,
1: that's not, that's not the goal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, same with Arizona anxiety. Uh, we, we just had some people make that comment. So it's like, let's just go ahead and address <laughs> that. Um, but greg we're, we're excited to have you as a part of that um excited just you know that i knew you before all of this and just uh, getting to be friends with you in youth ministry through the years and then to have you be a part of this series we're excited about it and excited to to get it in the hands of of students um maybe just kind of beginning their more big picture of you know kind of what, what has it been like for you to to write a book and to, to get it out there. I think it could be kind of interesting for listeners who've never experienced something like that, just for you to kind of get this opportunity and, and get something out there.
1: Yeah, no, I, that's, that's a, that's an, it was an interesting process for me because, um, you know, I've, I've written a lot. Um, you know, I was an engineer before going to seminary. So I wrote a lot of projects and, you know, uh, you know, prepared documents for, for presentations and, 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 uh, to convince people and, and to lay out plans. And so that was one kind of writing kind of technical mm-hmm. writing. Um, uh, but then yeah, writing a lot of a lot of sermons, a lot of uh, lessons for youth group and Sunday school lessons. And so you, you kind of get um, a good bit of practice doing that. But um, I don't know, like, I, I think as I as I look back at, you know, even as I've like, I was reorganizing my basement and finding old things and I, you know i, I think I, I just enjoyed uh writing whether it was uh music or um even 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 poetry and things like that um i think i've always kind of enjoyed it just didn't really recognize that that was there mm-hmm. um but really you know over the last uh three years just been kind of writing more more frequently um starting with blogs and Things like that, and and again, uh, for the longest time, I I didn't really want to write anything because I just felt like it was pretentious, you know. Um, yeah. I've I've even struggled with that, uh, just with journaling, um, you know. Um, although I think journaling is really helpful, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just like who am I to be able to write something uh, definitive on anything? Um, um, and so so kind of I've had to work through that, and 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 I can't remember if it was Andrew Peterson or somebody I was reading or think hearing talk about this, but. You know each each of us have our own experience of whatever the topic is mm-hmm. and our own life experience that we can bring to bear, which is unique and which is beautiful and useful. And um, you know, as we've all experienced, we've had conversations with somebody or heard somebody's story and it just hits hits us, um, or they're they're explaining it something in a certain way, and it we just it clicks and it resonates. And so um kind of reflecting on that more is giving me a little more of encouragement and courage to. To put things out down and and um you know for me i i want to write things that you know um are serving a practical purpose um um but also are accessible and helpful and so you know this this series just fit really well with that and um as well as the topic of justification i mean uh it's the gospel
0: yeah. and
1: uh i'm a i'm a pastor and i and i do love to talk about that i do love uh, to preach the gospel and, and talk about that with with students and really people of all ages. And so, um, I, one thought I had was like, if I can't talk about this, what can I talk about? You know? <laughs> um, but it also challenged, I mean, these, these shorter books, trying to take some, something with theological depth and, and be concise with it. That's a whole another kind of challenge. And there's plenty of people who have written books on justification that have written these mammoth studies that are incredibly impressive and useful. Um, and that's one kind of challenge, but to write something that's brief, and um but still deep at the same time uh that that was tricky mm-hmm. um and uh th- thankfully there's you know editors are there and like yourself and <laughs> that are that are able to put some boundaries on things and give suggestions and um so so it's been a process and I've really loved it it's been encouraging um uh, just jumping into the writing waters uh, whether it's for this book or other things. And yeah, just been received a lot of encouragement and, and affirmation there. And, and uh, just been trying to trust that to the Lord and see where he takes it. And, and I really just hope this book and other things, whatever I'm writing is, is useful and, and also true to who I am as a local, you know, actual person, you know, <laughs> that, that that's the other tricky thing is there's this temptation to try to be this, per, this person or that person, or um, kind of have a platform or whatever. And I'll just be honest, like, that's a huge danger um, temptation for me. Um, and I know for for many others, but you know, uh, I, I want to be the same person I am on the page as I am in person. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so and trying to be honest about the things um, that are going on in my life, but also as it comes to bear with whatever I'm writing about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great to hear all that. And I mean, as you're referencing the the challenges of of talking about something in such a concise way. Um, I think it was Mark Twain who said, uh, the <laughs> quote, I was going to write you a short letter, but I didn't have enough time. So I wrote you a long one. <laughs> and, uh, I've shared that to people as, um, we've kind of t- t- talked to potential authors of this series that there's there's a challenge uh, to to writing something in a concise small way you know in some ways it seems like oh it's only this number of pages or this number of words so surely I can can do that but yeah there's there's so much more <laughs> you want to say and you just kind of have to have to leave it mm-hmm. out
1: and, and a quick plug and encouragement to the youth workers um, you know I think as a as a youth worker, you get a great opportunity and privilege to learn how to do that with students. And honestly, it's adults need it too to learn how to be concise and clear and brief, um, practical, illustrative in um, what you're teaching. And so um, it's great preparation if you stay in youth ministry, if you go do something else, um, if you're teaching adults. Um, really, I think a lot more uh, sermons could be more like a youth group talk in a hmm. sense, you know, get hear what I'm saying and hear what and don't, but not what I'm not saying. <laughs> <there>. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, there are two different things for sure, but, you know, I, to encourage youth workers, maybe they feel like, oh, I don't really know how like if this really matters. What well, really does, um, for, for what you're doing right now, but also whatever God calls you to in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'm into that. That's a, that's a good word. And also I thought that was a good word from, from Andrew Peterson as well of just, you know, anyone talking on a subject or writing on a subject has a unique story, um, that's going to impact the perspective on, on that. And I thought it'd be a good segue for, for this question as well. Um, and you might not know this, but do you remember the first time you heard the term justification or just Hmm. heard that word in your, you know, story, um, testimony?
1: I had a great question. Um, so I didn't grow up in a reformed church. Um, I did have I, I went to a Christian high school that had some some of those reformed influences kind of there. Um, I I may have heard it towards the end of high school. Um, I became a Christian. I was 16. Um, and uh, I, I just remember some of the some of the teachings of reformed faith. I was like, nope, uh, yeah. at first. Um, but I, I really think it, I would have to say probably uh, my freshman year of, of college. Um, I got pretty quickly involved with RUF. Uh, Reform University Fellowship, um, and at, at Mercer University, and um, you know, I, I knew a couple things going into college. I, I knew that um, the Bible was important. Uh, that was that was foundational, um, and that needed to be at the center. And you know, if the Bible said it, I needed to believe it. And so um, I started wading into some of those waters, and I I, I was in this weird uh, s- circumstance with. Bunch of freshman guys in our dorm where we uh, we were in the ended up being pulled into this Bible study by uh, an RA who was uh, he was there on purpose uh, to to uh, lead a Bible study um, and, and reach out to us and we had all kinds of crazy theological discussions and it was it was good for me at the time I needed it um, but I'd probably say right about that time just getting introduced to our RUF and um, I think you know some of Tim Keller stuff you know, the Prodigal God and and um, concise Theology, uh, J.I. Packer, just kind of getting into some of those kind of basic kind of resources that are floating around the time and still are. Uh, but yeah, pro- probably early early college um, and then, you know, going to summer conference. And yeah, I, I was a whole world I was not, I didn't know, knew nothing about and just kind of uh, jumped in uh, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that's similar with me. I mean, I, I was converted at, at a younger age um, and I would assume that I had heard the word sooner, but I was such a bad listener and bad <laughs> student that I just did not remember it until it was um a freshman year in college. Um and can remember um shout out to Jeremy Jones uh sitting me down, mm-hmm. uh talking to me at a, a summer conference, um, explaining mm-hmm. that to me. Um so yeah, um yeah, I just thought that, that would be interesting to kind of reflect on that, think back if you could recall that. Um yeah, as you said you know, you're in ministry, you're a youth worker. Um, you you want to share the gospel. You're excited to share the gospel. You're, you said, if, you know, I think your, your words, if I, if you couldn't write on justification, what, would? uh, if you couldn't communicate it, you know, you you probably need to get another line of of work. Um, at the same time, it's, it's a challenge. Um, you know, we already Mm -hmm. said, just given the, the structure of the book, obviously it's, it's a concise, um, book, and so that can that can be a challenge. But you know, I thought this Keller quote, um, this is from his, his book on prayer, and he's actually quoting Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, you know, prayer is an exceedingly difficult subject to write about. Um, this is not primarily because it's so indefinable, but because before it, we feel so small and helpless. Lloyd-Jones once said that he has never written on prayer because of a sense of a personal inadequacy in this area. <laughs> Um, so I think that there's some truth in that statement that would obviously um connect to justification. Uh, that yeah, there's a sense in which the gospel is simple, there's a sense in which justification is simple, but at the same time, there's just challenges in trying to communicate it to, to students and trying to. Mm-hmm you know, there are times where, uh, I mean, I found myself as a youth worker of, I get it. Why isn't this student getting it and trying to just, you know, maybe if I present it in a different way, and um, obviously it's up to the Holy Spirit, but uh, maybe just talk a little bit about some of the challenges of writing on a topic like justification, something that seems so simple, but yet can be a challenge.
1: Yeah. I, I, when you say that, I, I think about the, this idea I've been reflecting on a little bit. Um, I think I heard Malcolm Guy talk about it, the, you know, the kind of, wild wow, anglican uh poet priest guy um he's, he's he's really interesting but he um he talked about the difference between comprehending something and apprehending something mm. and um i've just been kind of chewing on that for a little while um you know it, it's one thing to kind of understand on the on the page like all right i see this in scripture i see some of these words i kind of see how that makes sense but to really grab hold of it personally uh, to really put your trust your faith in this uh in this, these truths and and in this Jesus that is uh, held forth, um, in, in the scriptures, um, that, that's something that's supernatural. That's the Holy spirit. So, you know, shout out to the Holy spirit in the front end here, <laughs> you know, that you're only going to get it if, uh, he's at work, um, at, at all times. Um, so, um, so yeah, maybe that's the disconnect. And I, I can relate that to just to myself um, and just others, you know, it, it, understanding it cognitively, kind of getting the data points, but then really just grabbing hold of it and having it transform you. And um, I think one of the challenges uh, to write on justification um, it, it is because so much of our world is just structured against justification. That whole that whole teaching that that um, what matters most about us is not what we do, but what is given to us, receiving what is given from God. Um, And and that's just backwards to the the kind of the the core of how our world works and how we grab what we naturally gravitate towards. It doesn't matter if you're a cool kid or not, you know, the nerd or, uh, you know, play sports or play music or whatever you do. um, You're going after in a different way, you know, trying to define ourselves by by what we do and what other people say about what we do. And so um, to talk about justification is tricky because we're kind of allergic to it. You know, Um, obviously, that's that's sin at work. Um, satan deceiving us but you know uh that just it goes so counter um and, and, and against the way that our culture frames what the good life is um, and what is true and, and and good and beautiful and so um i think that's a great challenge with it there and you know again for my own internal struggle like you know that struggle in writing and feeling pretentious as a writer you know uh <laughs> There's a struggle in my own heart as I'm talking about writing about justification to want to be justified by this mm-hmm. this good work that I'm doing and um, writing this book, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so it it just get there's layers to it, right? And mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. Um, so I I think that's part of the challenge. Um, the other part is it, it, this is so important. This is this is at the heart of Christianity, and there's there's several folks in the book that um, have have really concise statements about that. Um, but the, the, the justification is at the core of the gospel. Um, you know, uh, God's love is displayed in it. It's really this co- connection connection point um, for us with with the Lord and and just starting out, what it means to even be a Christian. And so it, it's so important. Um, and so you don't want to mess that up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and another part of this is it, there's a lot of um, churchy words involved. You know, there's theological turns that are hard to understand. And so in the book, we try to break down some of that. Um, and and it's important to know. It's important to know some of those things, but define them in ways that that people can grab a hold of. Um that students can grab a hold of. um and and so that's that's another challenge to talk about this is because they're they're really useful biblical words and terms, um, theological terms related to justification. Um, but it it's hard to explain those clearly and mm-hmm. and and um in an accessible way. in in a culture where increasingly um, we're more and more biblically illiterate and um, and it's a struggle for parents to know how to how to walk alongside their kids and and communicate these things. So yeah. there's a couple, there's a couple, there's There's probably more, but there's, there's a couple, there's a couple of reasons. I think it's hard sure. to talk about a, a doctrine like this in a kind of concise way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like how you said churchy words, um, because I think, you know, I mean, I don't think I know there are, you know, youth ministries out there, um, that do not place, uh, an emphasis on the preaching and teaching of the word and just want to make it fun and games, um, then we can kind of maybe go to another extreme where you can just um, maybe churchy words left and right. Um, there's uh, just um, maybe you know just going way to the extreme, you know. And so maybe in your your own experience, um, kind of using those churchy words, which again, you, know, you and I both appreciate the churchy words. Anyone listening, don't don't hear us say you know justification, sanctification, glorification, vitally important. How have you sought in your own youth ministry to to use those words, to cling to those words, but try to make them accessible to students? Because obviously you're doing that in this book, but but how have you just kind of practically sought to do that as you're you're teaching students?
1: Now, I think that's really important. I think it's important to use the those important words. You know, justification is an example of one of those words, which comes from it, it's it's the same word as righteousness. So it's And and so you're, you're breaking that down. It's all over Romans. It's all other, other parts of the scriptures. And um, so um, say the word, but then right after define it very clearly and, and, and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Um, Don't just throw the word out. Um, You know, we're, we're near a seminary. And so I have a lot of seminarians working uh, with me. And and this, this is where I was at when I was in seminary too. You got all these, these great words and you're talking about them, but you're just throwing them out there and you're not thinking about they have no idea what you're talking about. You know, uh, they've never heard this. They've they not been sitting in class with you um, or listening to this podcast you've been listening to. And so um, just being, just being aware of that, act like they know nothing about any of this. So, you know, I, we, we kind of take the assumption of, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming they, they're not Christians and that they don't know what I'm talking about. And I start there. Um, obviously there's things you can do in your ministry to come alongside the, the, the students who, it's more clear that they're walking with the Lord and they're 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 wanting, you know, greater depth um, of study and, and digging into scripture. But when you're, especially when you're kind of teaching large group or something like that, you know, um, regularly define your terms, illustrate it like crazy. Illustrate different aspects of it like crazy. I'm a big fan of not just like long story illustrations, but just quick images. It's kind of like this or it's like that. And just being very everyday and and just thinking about the kids that are in your group and what activities they they participate in, and and try to grab from those different pockets of, of your group, um, and and it'll it'll communicate love to them, um, because um, you know as I've been learning as a dad, um, you've got to meet your kids where they are, um, and, and and it's the same as true um, in ministry, meeting people where they are communicates love, um, and that's true when you're trying to explain topics like these.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good. And, and I think, I mean, just from my own experience as well, it's like, you know, as soon as you're about to use a fancy theological word or a churchy word, whatever you want to attach to that, kind of name it. Say, okay, here comes a fancy word, everybody, you know, listen mm-hmm. up, I'll explain it. And um, just kind of naming it, I, th- I think, is helpful. And then, like you said, defining it is so important because we don't just need to assume everyone out there knows what we're saying. And oftentimes, they're visitors where we're speaking, and so it's like let, let's make them feel welcome by just going ahead mm-hmm. and kind of spelling this out. And and I wondered if if maybe, I mean, you could you know let's go ahead and define terms now as we talk about justification. Uh, any illustration that you've heard in your life that has been helpful to kind of help you understand justification as well as maybe a simplified way in which you try to explain justification to students.
1: I'm sure. Um, be- before I get that, I want to jump back. Um, uh, okay. yeah, I-, I think it's also going to be playful and fun with it too. Like, Hey, here comes, you know, this, this one word and, and, you know, you can feel like kind of proud, uh, like now I know this, you know, right. and so kind of make it almost like a game or kind of fun for them, uh, yeah. to be able to like, all right, now I, now I, I got it. I-, I, I learned something new here, um, and move on. Um, in terms of justification, there's, there's a lot of, of obviously ways to explain it. Um, one of, one of my favorites that kind of happened to me that I, I, I reference in the book is, um, I, I was at a conference with my wife and with another couple. And, um, this, this, it was just such a beautiful day. It was a beautiful experience, but, um, one of my, my friend, he, he said, oh, you know, um, my cousin is uh, you know, he, he happens to be the CEO of this chain of restaurants and we should just check out this restaurant that that's part of it while we're while we're in town. We're in town for a conference. And um and I was like, Oh, great, cool. I was I didn't really think much of it. And then the, the night came, we said, Yeah, we're gonna try to go do that. Um, come to find out, it's like this really nice restaurant. <laughs> and it's up in the Willis Tower in Chicago. It's like what way up there. Um, so we go in and uh we're like, wow, this is a lot better than I was expecting. I thought it was just <laughs> going to be some, you know, just random restaurant. And we go in and the guy at the security desk is already kind of um, expecting us and say, oh, you're, you know, you must be so-and-so, you know, you're Mr. and Mrs. Meyer and your, your friends are waiting for you. And we're like, what? <laughs> and uh, we, we have to like check in with our IDs and everything. And then they take us to this like other elevator and we go up the other elevator and it takes us right to the, the restaurant. We, we walk in and our friends are there and Um, and then we get to hang out with them for a little bit and then they take us back to this private dining room. And then we find out, oh, the whole meal is, is on the house because Mm -hmm. of, um, because of my, my friend's cousin and it was just a celebration. So I I love that illustration because it not only captures the, you know, we are the, what it means to be in Christ and, and, you know, um, we don't deserve that, Mm -hmm. but we received all that because of the name and the work of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, so it was kind of cool because I experienced it, but there's, I like, I like that uh, story too, because there's the celebrative, the the celebration, the joy aspect, um, you know, that kind of is like the uh, parable of the two sons, the prodigal son, you know, there's this party that's thrown, um, Mm -hmm. for the, the, the sons that are invited in, um, you know, the older son you're not sure about, but, um, you know, that, that's what it was. It was, it was, it was feasting, it was rejoicing, it was free and, uh, it was good. And uh, we didn't deserve it, and it was because of the name and work of another person. And So um, that—that's my new favorite ever since that happened a couple of years ago. And uh, <laughs> there's plenty of others, but I, I like that because it's relational. It's uh, there's there's a cel- celebration aspect to it. It's unexpected, um, but there, there's plenty of other ways to talk mm-hmm. about it. There's a, there's the more like maybe legal like step by step way to talk about it, but um, that that one is a little bit more appeal to me right now.
0: Yeah, no, I liked that story as well in, in the book and maybe slightly jealous. I did not get to experience, <laughs> experience that. Um, sorry, you just took a sip of water, right? As I said that and <laughs> almost spit that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, and like you said, there's so many elements of that story that just, I mean, it, it was free. It was because of someone else's name. It was, there's, you know, a feast celebratory, you know, aspect to it. Um, so much of that connects. And yeah, I mean, it's that, those kind of stories to use with students to get them to, to grasp this, uh, this truth. Um, Greg, how would you recommend um, another youth worker or a parent utilizing this book uh, to mm-hmm. disciple students? I mean, again, as I said at the outset, we have a lot of different topics, but you know, specifically with your book, how would you encourage someone to utilize it?
1: So as I was writing and as I was just thinking about what the track series is trying to do in general, I mean, there's all these different topics you guys are uh, working on with Christian Focus, which is just great. So I'd say, folks check that out. Um, John Parrott might've even written one of them. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, Maybe so, I uh, that's a good check. See what's on Amazon. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 what I had in my mind as I was writing, as I was thinking about when I was in college and when I was and, and did some college ministry of just sitting down with, with people who are new to the faith or just new to our ministry. You just like, like myself, when I got there, like, I don't, I don't know anything about whether it's just the gospel in general or, or the specific topic of justification, it's a great entry uh, door into talking about all kinds of stuff. And um, so, so I, I hope that it would be just, a, I mean, it's, it's short, it's it's hopefully accessible, um, but, but deep at the same time. And so you, you could take that with you. You could sit down, you can give it to a, a student to read. You can give it to a family member. Um, you know, hopefully parents can use this too, put it in the hands of their kids. Um, and you can walk, it's something you could easily read through and walk through with somebody um but also could just give and they can take and run with it it could be hopefully used for small groups um just have some good discussions i, I like how um i guess kudos to you and the other editors you know having the the, the questions in the, in the back of each chapter so those are ready resources to be able to kind of dig in a little bit more um there's a glossary in the back so um helping folks define terms um and trying trying to be kind of an illustration there of like what we're what we just talked about of how do we how do we take these big topics and try to kind of more clearly communicate them. Um, so, so that, that's kind of what I, my hope is for the book that it just be a resource for people to talk about the gospel and talk about Jesus and introduce people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the most important part is I, I think this book, I hope it's just a launching pad or provides an opportunity for the actual real relationship with, with the youth worker, the parent, the teacher, the campus minister with that student, that live moment, um, those moments. Cause I mean, I, I benefited from so many of those moments. Um, and, and that's really some of the most exciting times of ministry. It's a very ordinary, um, mm-hmm. and can be, you know, forgotten by a lot of people, but not that person. Um, and, and I just hope it it serves as like a, you know, a setup for that, um, and provides maybe some content to, to, um, inject into that, that relationship and that conversation, because that, that's really where it's at, um, you know, that actual, life on life ministry, um, that everybody, the people are doing all over and, um, it's really encouraging just to hopefully be a part of, of helping that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm glad as you're, you're saying that I'm recalling uh, so many aspects of the book, I you know had forgot about the glossary until you mentioned that. And so obviously with sanctification as well as justification, these booklets that we have out to define uh, a lot of those, you know, churchy words that are going to be throughout the book. And then the discussion questions at the end of each chapter, um, the summary sentence that kind of summarizes every chapter, um, hopefully just helps students kind of walk away and okay, this is what this one chapter was uh, communicating. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's something, as I've said before, you can sit down with students and you can read together and it's not going to take you a long time to get through one chapter. And um, I just think it's, it's helpful to do it that way, because you're going to have students stop you at a, a paragraph and be like, wait, what does this mean? Can we mm-hmm. explain this? And You just get that kind of live interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We, we So many who've and we've tried to tell them, hey, imagine yourself sitting down in a coffee shop with a student. And what, what do you want to tell this student about this topic? And that's kind of um, the design behind um, behind it and the structure of it and try to make it fairly conversational and again accessible. Um, so Greg, I know we're, we're starting to wrap this up. I mean, there, there's so much more to talk about when we're talking about justification. Any other things you want to add just about this book, about the process, thoughts of um, discipling students in this area um, before we jump off?
1: Um, Yeah, maybe I'll add one. Um, One of the things I tried to do, I was hopefully trying to be a little unique in talking about the topic. Um, Obviously, there's nothing new under the sun, as uh, Solomon uh, reminds us. Uh, But... um, I, I tried to frame the the the, the teaching um, in, in two ways. Um, first of all, in the context of a relationship of love, um, God, our father, um, you know, sending Christ for us, you know, applying the work of Christ to us by the spirit, that the, the justification is a part of this great love that our father has for us and coming after us. And so trying to talk about justification in, in that relational context, I think that really resonates with the, the present generation. Um, it gets lost for, for folks who've been, you know, in the church for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. we tend to think, of, I think Michael Reeves talks about this, you know, we get so often thinking about God as primarily ruler or creator, when really he's more most essentially father, because he's been mm-hmm. father even before he created. Mm-hmm. And I love that point that he makes. And so trying try to frame it in the context of this relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ, um, sealed by, you know, the Spirit. Um mm-hmm. But then, um, also trying to frame it within the story of Scripture. You know, justification is not something that just pops up in Romans. You know, obviously we think of Romans and Galatians and some of those, those key places. Um, but but trying to talk about the story of Scripture, and I kind of smuggled in a little bit of teaching on covenant theology in the book because <laughs> it it was so important for me, and it really gives us a uh, you know the I, I think uh, Doctor Duncan said in, in in seminary, you know, it's the way the Bible structures itself. You know, and, it, and it's it's structured on this idea of covenant. And go, that goes back to the relationship aspect. It's about this covenant love that God has for his people. And he demonstrates it through um, justification by faith alone. Um, and so uh, trying to trying to help give readers a, a context biblically for this doctrine and, and a story aspect and a relational aspect to it. Hopefully that's maybe a little bit different than you know the, what we normally hear when we're talking about justification. And bo- both are important. But um, try to frame it in that relational context, that biblical context, that story context, um, which I think is a little bit easier to ac- access and and resonate with um, in today's culture.
0: Yeah, no, it's so much good there. And, and a quick side note related to this is, um, and a plug for another track book. Um, Joe Deegan wrote the Power of Story, and mm-hmm. really just communicating how story resonates with every human on the face of the earth, and mm-hmm. you know showing this overarching story of scripture and, and hopefully so much of, you know, the track booklets that we're getting at are kind of pointing us back to this overarching story. And so um, that's something that's obviously foundational for our students to grasp. And once they kind of realize that and see that, you begin to see it all over the place, you know, um, through music, through, through movies, uh, whatever. Um, and just a reminder too, with, with Greg's book and with others, um, all these booklets have an appendices uh, that lists some other books that, that are recommended um and so maybe too just uh, i'm not getting you to recall that whole list um but for those who are listening who are thinking okay yeah, i want to check this out but maybe maybe one or two other books you would recommend on this subject for people to kind of start out um, as they're trying to grasp this doctrine of justification besides the bible okay we know
1: <laughs> yeah the bible is a good book um, good, <laughs> always good to go there and start there um. I mean, there's, there's, I really like, um, you know, some of just the little, even a couple page treatments you find in, um, you know, like I mentioned, concise theology by J.I. Packer's got a little, little, little chapter on justification with a ton of, you know, scripture references. Um, as scary as it sometimes sounds to people, you know, the Westminster confession and catechisms, but, um, you get getting scripture references there, but, um, you know there's, there's even modernized versions of it that can be pretty helpful um you know I'd definitely say say go there and again and getting more familiar with some of that 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 theological language that gets used um there, there's other little book booklets like uh Fesco has has a little tiny book booklet on the doctrine of justification he also has the mammoth one <laughs> if you are really uh want to buckle up and and get into everything um that that's that's a good one to go to um again going to that more story since I, I i just my my favorite Tim Keller book is probably Prodigal God, um, just because he just busts open that parable, and um, you know he is not necessarily directly talking about justification, but he he's showing it, and he's how he's talking about the relationship between uh, God the Father, um, and and his beloved children, um, and so uh, that that one's uh, a, a different type of of book on that, um, and there's others, and I think there's there's a bunch listed in the back of the book that have. That have uh, for places for you to go if you want to dig in a little deeper, but those are the ones that at least jump out to mind. Um, um, and then you know th- this fits into other stuff, but you know uh, rescue. I think it's it Rebels Rescued by Brian Cosby, which yeah. mm-hmm. a great little book on you can take with students and just talk about um, you know reform theology. If you've you got students that are interested, in that. I've used that in small groups before. Really helpful. Um, it's not directly talking about justification, but it's but it's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, that, that's good. And um, we're, we're excited to get these out. And it, it's our prayer as a ministry that these are helpful uh, to local churches um, for those youth workers, but then also parents using them uh, inside the home uh, to disciple the next generation. So so thank you for taking a part um, to put this book together. And thanks for taking the time to come on today, Greg.
1: Hey, happy to be here and happy to serve. Oh, come and buy
2: without money Oh, come and feast without pay for.